and welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. It is Monday. I am Chris Graham, and on Mondays, we talk with Rod Mullins about NASCAR, and Rod is back from a long, busy, fun weekend, but hardworking weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway, uh, and uh, we'll start, Rod, with last night's race, um, and, uh, you know, the rain and the mud and everything flying around, and then... What a finish to the race. I, I, one of the more exciting finishes I think we've seen as Chase uh, Briscoe was trying to chase down Tyler Reddick on those last, uh, oh, God, 20, 30 laps. I, can't, I lost count of when, when that the chase started. And then a couple turns from the finish, and uh, there a lot happened there. Rod, take us into what happened. Well, I, I don't think any of us in the media center were expecting that, what happened there at the end of that race. We were all kind of – we'd all kind of made our predictions early on. I talked with one of the sports writers from the Tri-Cities, and he asked me, he said, well, who do you think's going to win tonight? And I said, well, you know, I really if – I, if I had my money to put down and stuff, I would probably go with Tyler Reddick. I said, I think he has almost been so close to having these wins so far um, last season and into this season that I thought, man. It's probably his time. I'm going to see what happens. Well, when the race started, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, deciding there Tyler Reddick was actually going to be in it or not because it uh, it looked like it was going to be Chase Briscoe. It was going to be one of these things. Cole Custer fell off the pole really quick uh, after he got started. But then, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 laps into the race, we start coming into mud problems. And it's from mud flying all over the track. It's from where a lot of this stuff wasn't ground down and beat into the track and stuff and they were getting this loose stuff out and it's just flying flying everywhere and uh it was getting on the grills and especially down there toward where the radiator's at and when it did that you had some cars start to overheat and a couple of the cars had some trouble for the night denny hamlin ended up getting a dnf for another problem but you had a couple of cars had to go out early because of uh, overheating problems um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think the 51 car, he had some overheating problems. He managed to get back in. He and Chase Elliott kind of tangled a couple of times. But everybody, to a certain degree, had some problem with the mud there early on. And then the track came into form. And when that track got into form, we had some good racing there for a long time. Then we had our first rain delay. And then that first rain delay kind of changed everything. They got back out with the Packer cars. They packed down the surface again. They got it going. We were able to race a little bit more, and then we had another delay after that, and that was right before the third segment of racing, and everybody was kind of on the edge of their seat. They didn't know who was going to be making a run at this. Kyle Busch was not even at the front of who we thought was going to be able to win this race or pull this race off. We kept on thinking it's going to be between Chase Briscoe, Tyler Reddick, could be Kyle Larson, it could be Chase Elliott, you know, it could have been Joey Logano for that matter. They all were racing pretty good there for, for a time being. And then as we started getting down to about under 20 laps to go, we saw Chase Briscoe uh, actually probably about 25 laps to go. Chase Briscoe starting shaving off time. Each time he was going around in a lap, shaving a half a second off, a half second off, a half second off. And he was catching up. And then we thought to ourselves, we said, you know, this is going to come down to the very end. This is going to come down to Reddick and Briscoe. And who's going to give on this? And uh, there they are going into coming out of three, going into four. And then just about that time, Briscoe, he loses it. I mean, he put his car in there to go and make a statement to go and say, I'm going to try to win this race. 
but he loses it, sends Tyler Reddick spinning down, and he goes down toward the infield part, and he's able to get away and get away on his own power. But in all of that melee, here comes Kyle Busch out of nowhere, charging up the middle of the back, and he ends up winning the, the Food City Dirt Race. And it was just an amazing win. Um, you know, we caught, we, I guess you could say we talked to uh, some of the drivers down there this past weekend. Uh, some of them are still not too happy with this whole concept of dirt. I don't know if you've seen the latest that's come out. Uh, Kevin Harvick uh, was one of those drivers that came out and said that Bristol made them look like a bunch of clowns or had them looking like a bunch of clowns. Well, you got to admit, Kevin Harvick had his trouble early on. He got wrecked and he didn't have a chance at being in that kind of race. But, uh, you know, in the long run, it was just a great race altogether and was completely unexpected. And I've got to give hats off to the Bristol crew, uh, the track crew for getting that track back into shape in such a short period of time, uh, especially in between those rain delays. They did great. According to everybody else, they did better than what they did last year. And I guess, you know, they had one under their belt from last year and they had gained some more experience this year. So I think it helped a lot. But man, it was it was an exciting race right down to that very end. And then the surprise winner being Kyle Busch. Yeah, surprise winner. Uh, and, uh, you know, th- th- when you were watching this, when we were watching on TV with most of us at home, um, you know, the, the, ch- it, it, it was, he was Reddick, or excuse me, uh, Briscoe was, was cutting not even tenths of a second off per lap. It, yep. He'd get hundreds of a second off per lap, but it just kept, kept getting inching closer and closer and closer. And then, you know, Daryl Waltrip was saying on the, uh, the, the Fox broadcast, you know, he's got to try something. Yep. And he tried something. <laughs> and in the post match or the post match, uh, post uh, race, interviews on TV and I would be curious to get a sense of what you heard uh, when they had a chance to cool off a little bit, maybe think about it more. Cause they weren't, you know, the, the two guys involved, Reddick and Briscoe, I mean, Reddick said, you know, he was interviewed first on the TV afterwards and said, yeah, I got no problem with that. We we're just racing. And Briscoe came over to apologize and, you know, they shook hands and he said he was sorry. And he said so repeatedly, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, one of those old school NASCAR guys hoping that there'd be some fisticuffs or not fisticuffs, but maybe some shoving, talking back and forth. And they were gentlemanly about it, to say the least. What were what was it like, you know, when they had a little bit of chance to think about it? Were they even more so? Uh, what, what were the comments from those two guys? Well, you know, I don't think it was a chance to sit there and stew about anything. Neither one of them had a chance to kind of stew about it. Tyler Reddick was very self-critical on his driving uh, there toward the very end. He said... I should have done this and I should have done that. And, and to be truthful, you know, he's, he's pretty hard on himself about things. He's a great driver. He's got potential of being an even greater driver. Once he breaks through and he gets that first win in NASCAR, he's got the potential of being a really, really great driver. Chase Briscoe is the same way. I mean, Chase Briscoe is as uh, plain and simple as it comes. I mean, you just, you look at him and stuff and he's just, you know, he's kind of quiet, not a, you know, doesn't go and portray anything off like what Kyle Busch does or say anything like what Kyle Busch does. But, you know, neither one of them were at a point of where they, I think they were going to come to blows with each other. I think what it was when Tyler Reddick was there, he was just saying, you know, it's my fault. I didn't do what I should have done to try to win this race. I made some mistakes and everything. And then when we saw Briscoe come up, that's when we were all kind of surprised. And it's like, man, Briscoe's came up to him and stuff. And they start talking in this just gentlemanly fashion. And when they did start talking in this gentlemanly fashion, you know, the next thing that happens, Briscoe said, I'm sorry, man. I, you know, I was just trying to do this. I was trying to win. And 
Tyler Reddick said, I know you were trying to. And that's the difference, I think, with, that we have with some of these drivers. This is the thing of the race. When you're down to the very last lap and you're trying to go and you're trying to go for a win, you've got to anticipate things like this are going to happen. There's going to be a move made. If you're that close, there's going to be a chance that somebody's going to spin out or somebody's going to be put into the wall. And that's what happened. You know, the the – I guess the anger management cases that have gone on in NASCAR before between Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, and some of the others, Denny Hamlin, just to name a few, these have happened at different points. I know that uh, Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott's happened toward the end of the Martinsville race here several years ago, and rightly so with that, but it's still, you still had several laps to go in that race. But uh, this was probably more to me, more sportsmanship than I have seen in a NASCAR race in quite a while. I, I just couldn't say enough about it. I talked with one of the uh, the track PR representatives last night, and uh, she was talking to me, and she said, you know, I, I've got to find that clip in order for us to use it on the website. And I said, yeah, you, you need to. I said, that is, to me, the whole thing of what NASCAR has kind of needed. NASCAR kind of needed this shot in the arm that, you know, we can still be – uh, battling out here on the track and we can still go for blood, but we can still be friends in the end of it. And it kind of shows how, I guess, um, simple, genuine Tyler Reddick and Chase, uh, Chase Briscoe are, uh, in their approach to people and also to the media. I think they're just kind of simple people is what they are. So Kurt, uh, Kyle Busch was so far behind, uh, and he was only, it was only, I think three or four seconds behind, but mm -hmm. he was far enough behind that melee that he was able to pass through. But boy, when I, you know, watched the replay a few times, he didn't win by much, uh, give credit to Tyler Reddick. Now Briscoe finished outside of the top 20 because he, he spun out and was not able to recover, uh, much in time, but Reddick actually got back on the track and, and put himself in position at least if Bush hadn't gotten through that to, to maybe win the race, but I thought it was funny that uh, Bush afterwards on the TV interview, uh, he was, you know, there weren't a lot of fans there because of all the rain and it was a later late finish. Uh, not as many fans as, as were there to start, certainly. Uh, but they, they, you know, it was Kyle Bush winning a race. They booed like, they <laughs> like he's the, the biggest pro wrestling villain you've ever seen. And he, he, he said at one point during the interview, as he was, you know, getting drowned out by the booze, like I didn't even do anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the quote was, he said, you think I'm Dale Earnhardt Sr. or something around here? I didn't do anything, you know, like anything. that. I just want to race. But yeah, that's how that's how people that's how people view Kyle. And you know, here's the other thing too. When he came in the media center uh, last night for the uh, post race interviews, there were a lot of us. And again, I was talking to this uh, the PR person with Bristol Motor Speedway, one of the reps, and I told her last night. I said, you know, there was a hush that kind of went across the media center because you're kind of afraid to ask that one question that you're going to, and you ask a question to Kyle Bush and he's going to go and he's going to torch you like standing there as a flamethrower. And he's going to torch you right in front of everybody. Uh, I mean, Bob Pockris from uh, Fox sports, he's been on the receiving end of it before there's been a number of people, but you know, you kind of have to be careful what you say. And someone did ask a question last night about um, the problems. And you have to admit Joe Gibbs racing has had problems up until this point uh, this year. Uh, but to him, no, we've not had any problems. We've had some, we've had some screen fests. We've had some meetings and things like that. Well, when you're having screen fests, yeah, that means you're having some problems somewhere along the line. I think it was just a matter of them 
finally dialing in. This next generation car has been uh, more than anything a surprise to a lot of these teams that thought that they were so good mechanically or they could be able to solve anything mechanically, but they have had so many issues with this car, and I'm not saying they're bad issues. There are things that's going to have to get worked out as the year goes, as we go through the year progressively into next year. But, you know, I think that the the car itself, um, he's still, you know, this whole thing, um, you know, he's still the next generation car. It's kind of out with him right now. He's the jury's kind of out. But again, he went back to the dirt thing again. He had went and he said this was his quote and he did not say, I don't like dirt. He did say the first time with Richard Petty, he says, you know, I think we need to cut the cord. And I wrote something the other day and I wrote uh, something to a fan. Somebody had wrote in and said, I don't think I don't like dirt. I don't like the way that they've done these things at Bristol and these the way they've done these things. And I said, quite honestly, I love the dirt. I said, this will be my first race watching this on dirt and so forth. And maybe Bristol is not. This is not going to be the place to have a dirt race all the time, but it's the start of one to where we can go and kind of get a dirt race on the schedule and do something eventually. But I told the person, I said, these guys are too spoiled. And I'm, I'm going to say that plain and simple. These guys are too spoiled. These cars are prepped, ready for them to just slide in the car on any given Saturday night or Sunday, go out and race 500 laps, 500 miles, however you want to call it. And they get out there, and it's like they flip the car on to cruise control and just put their foot down on the gas and just drive around. Riding on dirt and driving on dirt, and especially in a race like what they had at Bristol, that makes you, I think, more of a man than it does just a regular race car driver because you've got to fight that course. You've got to fight the bumps, the little you know places that's in there. I mean, shoot. Here in Southwest Virginia, we've got potholes all over the place right now. It's teaching me how to be a better driver on potholes, and hopefully eventually it'll teach me to be an even better driver in the long run, avoiding these things. But, um, you know, that's what I think it is. It's one of those things that I think some of them have ended up being very spoiled, and they've kind of went into this whole thing with a silver spoon in their mouth, so to speak. And I'm not trying to quote uh, Ann Richards on the George Bush thing back in the in the early 90s or something like that about being born with a silver spoon or a silver foot in his mouth or whatever. But uh, that's what I kind of think about. It. I think some of these drivers, Kyle Larson, he still doesn't think that uh, Bristol needs to be dirt. But you know what? The rumor has it that they're going to have another dirt race next spring there at Bristol. So we could be three years in a row with dirt on the high banks of Bristol. So 23, excuse me, 2,300 truckloads of dirt, 23,000 cubic feet of dirt. And with the rain last night, it seemed like it was just washing away, especially on the lower, uh, lower part of the, the, the track. Um, uh, it, it, I know it's early. We're only, we're not even 24 hours out from uh, the race as we're recording this podcast, but is there a sense that, you know, they're going to go back and look and say, okay, we've kind of learned some lessons here. They, they've had two races now, and this is the first time I think, I don't think it rained last year during the race, mm -hmm. but um, the rain definitely had an impact. Very disappointing because I think it really impacted things. Um, we didn't get to see the track, uh, the dirt track at its best. Right. Uh, but do you think, um, do you think they're going to go back and say, okay, maybe we need more dirt. I mean, maybe we need to do something different in terms of consistency, whatever. What, what do you think as far as uh, how they're going to approach that race that they're planning for next year? I think it's ever changing. It's one of those things, especially with dirt. It's it's kind of like what Kyle Bush said. It's those variables that are out there. You know, with one thing that changes, you need to be prepared to do something else 
to compensate for whatever variable you're going to change on one thing. You know, what amazed me last night was that they had went and they flashed up a graphic there in the media center that said something that that dirt was placed within, I forget how much accuracy by GPS. They were going on GPS to place this dirt, especially in how deep and how it should be and stuff. And they, they tested it each time. Um, yeah, I think Bristol's going to, I think the track uh, people, the track maintenance people, they're going to go and they're going to look at it. They've got one more race coming out there on dirt. That's going to be the last weekend of April. It's going to be the world of outlaws. They're going to be coming back. Uh, they're going to be racing. Uh, one of the sports riders told me in the media center yesterday, he said, I don't foresee them giving up Bristol right now as a dirt track because he said they've made some money on it and it's not exactly maybe the food city dirt race, but they've made money in these uh, heat races they had early on. Uh, this um, XR Dirt uh, Nationals is what they had at Bristol. Uh, they made some money on that. They always do pretty good when the, they have the spring race. But, yeah, the crowd, I just got to tell you this, Chris. The one thing that I, I think a lot of people uh, stopped into a Sheets convenience store just outside of Bristol on the way home last night, and one guy said to me out loud, who was the person that was so smart to come up with the idea of racing at Bristol on Easter Sunday. And all I could say to him was NASCAR, because that's when they put the date down. They, they put the date down and Bristol of course has to take it or leave it. So. I w that was my next question was going to be, uh, you know, and, and, you know, reading through the, the, the in the past week leading up to the race, uh, reading through some of the reasoning for NASCAR on that. It was actually pretty smart reasoning, I think. Mm -hmm. The NFL plays on Thanksgiving Day, and we're all sitting around the house on Thanksgiving, either for lunch or dinner or both, uh, with family and friends, and, hey, turn the football game on and watch. And last night, you know, it's Easter Sunday. You know, I know we had people over watching the race with us last night, and and it's 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 a holiday. And so, um, so the, it sounds like the – uh, I was going to ask what you thought the, the from the weekend being there, what the what the response from both drivers, teams, anybody else you talked with there was as far as having the race on Easter Sunday. It sounds like it was positive. It was positive. There are people that kind of uh, spoke there and said that maybe we should have done this as a Saturday night race leading up and given the family. This was one thing that I think it caused some issues. Um, I, I heard that a couple of the guys on some of the teams – uh, at least two or three of them, maybe. And I think there were some on Gibbs's team, on uh, Kyle Bush's team. They were given the option to fly to North Carolina uh, to be with their family and everything for Easter Sunday and services and everything. And then once they did that, get back in a jet, fly back to Tri-Cities Airport, and then get ready for the race. Um, I think that caused a lot of problems for some families. Uh, you know, some of them are, are being hauled around in the motorhome. They're going around in the motorhome, and some of them stay kind of close. But you've got other extended family out there that probably were looking at having some kind of Easter celebration that some of these guys were not going to be able to participate in. One suggestion that kind of got brought up to me was they love the truck race, and, and I was going to talk a little bit about the truck race. That's what impressed me so much was on uh, Saturday, the truck race. They just they got after it. It was just one of those races. Ben Rhodes, he said, I don't care if this place is uh, – concrete ever again i'd be happy if i was racing on dirt every time i was at bristol and he just was just overjoyed about it and he he fought a very tough race uh, going back to the back and having to come back up to the front in order to contend to win but um i'm like a couple of other people that had brought up the suggestion hey why don't we go and have um, maybe the uh 
truck races on Friday night and then have a big Saturday night spectacular race with the dirt race on Saturday for the cup regulars and then just let Sunday be by itself and everything out there. But you've got to look at it from this point. NASCAR is trying to get in these 30-some, what, 36 races or something like that. They're trying to get them in a schedule. And, you know, we're playing against the elements here. We had rain last night. You know, we could have had snow. It could have been bad. You don't know how it's going to end up, especially in the month of April. Everything is so up and down. So um, I'm kind of one of these. It's like, you know, I'll go from the better judgment of who says what. You know, you tell me you're going to put the uh, dirt race back at Bristol on Sunday next year. I'll be there. That's not that's not a problem and stuff. Um, you know, the, the thing is, is just um, – I think that they've put a lot into this. You know, they put a lot into that pre-race concert, too. Um, I know that um, it was even on national television, too. They had it on FS1. They had it broadcast. I talked to my wife about it. She watched some of it from from home, and she said, you know, it was a, they had a big crowd for it, and they did have a big crowd for that. But Fox was actually into territory, I think, that uh, a lot of people didn't expect them to be into, uh, having, this, uh, having this service and this... Uh, you know, pre-race thing on FS1 and then switching over to the race and everything and making it a primetime event. I think some of them were kind of surprised that, wow, you know, look how much Fox has got involved into this whole production and everything. And it was a very big effort put together by Jerry Caldwell and Marcus Smith and all of them at Speedway Motorsports. They intended to make this uh, a weekend for a lot of families and a lot of people to remember. Yeah, I was looking, I'm trying to find the TV ratings and the overnights I can't find right now for, for that. NASCAR has been averaging around four and a half uh, and getting typically four and a half to five million fans per race this season. And I know that, you know, there's there's some folks out there who write about TV and, and don't really recognize that there's a million channels, not to mention streaming that we can watch. And so comparing this to comparing these numbers to back in the you know 80s and 90s and early 2000s when there wasn't as much tv to watch and saying yeah but we used to get 15 million that's a lot lower um tv tv networks still love four and a half to five million viewers on a, on a night race so it'll be interesting to see how that turns out uh when those numbers come out later this week um as far as how many people watched last night, but I, that's that was the move. It's it's a it's a business. NASCAR is yeah, a business th- like anything else. I think it's going to change some things too when they come up to negotiation time. You know, with Fox and NBC and everything on the races. You know, they're working together kind of collaboratively. Uh, the thing that surprised me is Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to be in the uh, in the press box uh, in the in the media press box and everything on next Sunday. I guess when they go to Talladega, and you know they used to refer to him as they called him the Pied Piper. Because wherever Dale Jr. went on the track, everybody followed him is what they ended up doing. They knew what line to take. But, uh, you know, that kind of surprised me because I had not seen this kind of interaction between Fox and NBC on this. And there's a lot of people saying NBC is not going to keep NASCAR. I don't believe that because they're one of these uh, sponsors in the Cup Series, the Xfinity Series. And then they're also one of the uh, sponsors in the Cup Series altogether. I don't see them getting out of there anytime soon. Now, could it be NBC takes over the Fox part? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen because Fox is right now. Fox is toying around with some different ideas. They've let's just put it this way. They've lost Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. So they've opened up at least a little bit there. They're going to put some guy that I've never, I've never had a chance to listen to or see on any kind of football broadcast. They're putting him in there. And then they're also talking about Fox, maybe taking over big 10 sports. 
so there's a lot of big changes coming up. Uh, who knows what NASCAR uh, could do? NASCAR might be with NBC for the whole thing. Uh, they're going to have to work it out, however they're going to do it. And if they can spread it on different channels like what NBC is going to do, uh, they can either do it on USA or they can do it on NBC or however they want to do it. They'll be able to have that fallback on. But I think that NBC Sports Network, uh, I think that was one of those things that ended up flying up in NBC's face because it was it was just too much. They couldn't do all of this stuff at one time. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think the negotiations, they're still ongoing, and we've not gotten to that yet for 2023. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, from NASCAR's perspective, I'm rooting for NASCAR to have a bidding war so that they make more money that way. Um, but yeah, the TV numbers, I think, I mean, again, we want, we haven't seen last night's numbers, but this thus far this season, I don't think they're as bad as some are, are suggesting. Um, TV across TV numbers across the board are down just because, again, we have so many things we can watch and so many things we can do in a day. So just tell me about the weekend now. It was your uh, first chance getting out uh, in quite a while to uh, a NASCAR track. You got to spend three days uh, down there at Bristol uh, with practice and the dirt, the truck race and then the, the the big race last night. What was it like being down there? Uh, it, nothing else like it. I know that um, there's some people that just that treat it as a job and they just go there and they begrudgingly go and they just say, oh, I'm here to cover a race. Um, I'm kind of like I take in all the excitement of everything around it. I kind of just, I, I just kind of watch people. I kind of see what's going on and kind of detect what's the atmosphere going on there at the track. Um, you know, Friday for me was kind of a, a day of kind of getting myself acquainted with my spot while I was down there. Uh, also, you didn't have all the teams in there. The truck teams were already in the, uh, the other haulers had pulled in, but a lot of the drivers and a lot of the other crews, they hadn't got there yet because uh, some of them were waiting a little bit. They had to do their testing sessions and, and try to get practice in. So not everybody was there. But, um, you know, that was fun. Saturday, and the truck race was phenomenal. That's the first truck race I guess I've seen in quite a while. And uh, I was just really, really thrilled with that truck race. You know, uh, I, the funniest thing of the whole night was trying to sit there in the media center and three or four of us trying to tell the crews how to separate Matt Benedetto's car with the other guy that had uh, rammed right up against his rear in the truck and they were stuck. Matt, Be Matt Benedetto tried to pull forward and he's pulling this, dragging this truck along with him. Then they tried to reverse. They couldn't get them separated. And the way that the, the, the way that the sheet metal and everything, it had kind of folded up and in and underneath like where you would have the tailgate of your truck. And it took them forever. And they even, oh, they even damaged Matt DiBenedetto's uh, left rear fender uh, wheel well right around in there. They kind of caved it in trying to get the truck separated. And we were kind of in there sitting and thinking, why can't anybody have the sense to get up here on top of the engine and just start jumping up and down on it? You know, jumping up and down up here on top and then shake the truck loose while they're trying to do all this stuff. Well, come to find out, it was much more serious than what we thought. So it was it was one of those that when they did pull them apart, uh, there was still sheet metal holding on to Matt Benedetto's car. But it was good old-fashioned Saturday night racing was what it reminded me of. You're going to have some beating and banging and, and people. Uh, ben Rhodes was just tremendous. He's a young kid, but, man, he's a, he's a great driver. He's got potential before it's over with, uh, especially from the truck series. Wouldn't be surprised to see him in the cup series here in maybe a couple of years. Uh, but uh, Saturday night was great. Sunday, 
a um, little bit more subdued. You know, there were a lot of things going on there at the track on Sunday, but, uh, you know, still great food. You know, you have some great food when you're there. They've got food from just about every place. But I can't say enough about the staff at Bristol Motor Speedway and who takes care of me when it comes into press and media things. And that, and I have to give shout-outs to Anthony Vestal and to Becky Cox because, uh, for me, they're two of the best. And they, they give you – if there's something they want to give you a heads-up on, they'll come up to you and they'll tell you what's going on. But other than that, they treat you like family down there. And that's what has made me feel – so comfortable going back to Bristol. It's, it's kind of like yesterday. I think I told you the other day uh, in the email, I got into the track fastest I ever got into. And that was because I was getting ready to give him my driver's license. And a guy that I had met there and working in PR before, he said, ah, don't worry about it. I know him. He's okay. Let him go. And then yesterday I was getting ready to go through and they had metal detectors at Bristol. And I thought, wow, I'm going to have to go through metal detector and all this, which that didn't bother me too bad, but as soon as I got down there and stuff, I asked the lady, I said, do I need to go through this? She said, no, you don't need to go through this. Go on, get on through here and stuff. And it was, it was fun. It was just, you know, being there and fun and everything. Uh, so, you know, they've got a great group down at Bristol. Um, you know, it was just a chance to see some people, uh, to also talk with some people about things, chance to, uh, see Larry Mack, Larry McReynolds came in the media center, uh, there on Sunday. I've got him, got him as a friend on Facebook, man, what a nice guy. I mean, he's a nice guy. Some people might think he, you know, kind of reeks of this kind of thing of this persona that he might be a little bit rough and gruff and stuff and can get smart with you. I've never seen anybody as, as kind and gentle as Larry Mack is. And he was, he definitely proved that to me on, uh, on Sunday afternoon when he was getting ready for the race. So you see a lot of things, you pick up on a lot of things, but, uh, you know, Bristol is an experience. Charlotte is an experience in itself, but you know, you're still kind of the little guy right there sitting at that table. And then you're sitting there among all these other big media, you're sitting there in front of the TV networks, or you're sitting in front of the local TV people. And then the major race publications, um, it kind of makes you feel like you're, you're kind of wanted, you're kind of special out there when you're sitting amongst those groups and people like from auto week and, and different things like that, it makes you feel you know, it makes you feel like you're welcome in a place like that. Yeah. I skipped the ACC basketball tournament this year uh, for the first time in a while, but uh, uh, I, I equate covering a NASCAR race. Uh, to, it feels very similar. It's a big, it's a, it's a, it's got a big event feel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you get the behind the scenes stuff when you're a journalist, you get the behind the scenes stuff. It's fun. The food's great. Mm -hmm. um, the opportunity to talk with, with great sports people is great. And also, yeah, catching up with the sports writers is always so fun. And, Kind of sharing thoughts with with those folks and you know and I, i've kind of experienced what you said something earlier too rod some of the folks who work in sports media tend to treat it as a job just like they're working at walmart or something like that and right. they kind of you, you get the sense they kind of hate it and I, all i can think to myself because I've, I've noticed that in basketball and, and baseball events covering in the past and all i can think is if 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 this is if you complain about this, you'll complain about anything this is yeah. this is not working this is fun mm -hmm. <laughs> there's people that are that you watch them too. And, and I, I admitted early on in the podcast, I, I said, I'm kind of a watcher. I kind of watch people, you know, you kind of observe people and see a lot of people that come in the media center. That's very stoic looking. And, you know, they're kind of like, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to say anything to anybody. I just want to get over here. I want to do what I've got to do. And that's great. That's their job. But you've got some people that come in there and then there's some people that complain if, 
if the meatball's in the wrong place on the spaghetti plate. I mean, you're right. That's what they would do. They would complain about that. Didn't have as much of that this time around. You didn't have as much. I know at Charlotte a couple of years ago, um, we were told strictly uh, the Roval race, stay in a specific place. Well, at Bristol, we had the same thing this time around. Photographers had to stay in a specific place. They couldn't go out of a certain place. And my son also doubles as photographer sometimes, and he kind of helps me out. And we went to the Roval, and uh, one of the things that we ran into, I told him, I said, hey, if you run into any trouble, somebody comes up to you and says, you're not supposed to be here, uh, then just say to them in a nice way, just say, I'm sorry, is there a place I need to be? Or do you prefer that I'm somewhere else or need to be somewhere else? And uh, I told him, I said, if you always go up to them and you're, you're kind of kind to them and talking with them, and they'll help you any way they can. And sure enough, there was places that um, my son went in there and there were uh, some places where they had told some drivers or uh, photographers, no, don't take any pictures here and stuff. We don't want you taking pictures in this area. So he would kind of move off away from where he was at. And then he'd ask him, is this okay where I'm at here? I know it's not uh, allowed down here, but is this okay? Sure. You go ahead and do whatever you want to do and stuff until something changes and if it changes, I'll let you know. And that's that's the sincerity about it. That's what that's what I really love about it. I'd rather ask questions and be a little bit more reserved instead of just coming right out blatantly and just saying, well, I'm supposed to take pictures here and I'm supposed to sit here and things. I'm just not that way. And uh, I would rather ask a question, although they say men are notorious for not asking for uh, directions and everything else on trips and everything. I'd rather ask questions, especially when you're at a big media event or a big event like this, uh, ask questions and not get yourself in trouble later on with it. So uh, maybe that's being the, the little guy out of it and having that little guy, that uh, local feel or something, if you want to call it that. But that's kind of the way I feel about it. Well, great reporting, uh, Rod, and for our listeners out there, you've listened to the podcast. Also, go back and read some of Rod's co uh, columns uh, from the weekend, the uh, the recap of the truck race, the recap of the uh, the big Cup Series race from last night as well. So, well, Rod, as always, thank you for your time, and we'll look forward to talking again next week. Appreciate it, Chris. I feel like I talked more than you did this time around. You should have just cut me off and just said, hey, let's talk about something else here. <laughs> you were there. I just was watching on TV. I wanted to find out what it was like, like being there. So that was your job today. I'll talk more next week, I promise. All right, then. I, I appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs>